Hello everyone and welcome in to the Youth Hoops Pod presented by Pro Skills Basketball. Today we are bringing you episode 2 of our Bitcoin and Basketball series where we take a deeper dive into what exactly Bitcoin is and why it is gaining so much value. This conversation goes extensively deep into the background of Bitcoin, its origins, and where it's at today. If you're interested, jump in further, enjoy the conversation, and we'll see you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Youth Hoops Pod presented by Pro Skills Basketball. We are back with a highly, highly anticipated episode two of Bitcoin and Basketball. We released our first episode uh, last week, I believe it was, at the time of recording this. Got a lot of good feedback about this very different off-the-wall uh, topic that we have brought into the Youth Hoops Pod. So we're back. I have the same guest joining me here for the Bitcoin and Basketball podcast. First of all is PSB co-founder Brendan Winters. Brendan, welcome back. Thank you. Happy to be here. You're always glad to have you here. Uh, I think I kind of have to have you here. You do kind of call the shots, but we'll, uh, we'll <laughs> get you true. on here. Uh, someone who is on here voluntarily, a great friend of mine and yours, Brendan, now becoming a good friend of the podcast. I think we need to plug the Witch Carolina podcast. This person, he does have his own pod. He talks big Hornets talks, uh, maybe maybe a little Panthers in there, but deep into the basketball world. And that is Lee Branscombe, the host of the Witch Carolina podcast and Bitcoin extraordinaire. Lee, welcome back. Glad to have you. I won't accept that title, but <clears throat> but I will I will accept the introduction. And uh, yeah, I, I think I was telling Christian prior to us going live, like this is just a just a great excuse for us to get together every couple of weeks and, and talk a little bit of uh economics and bitcoin and, and 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 basketball when it comes up yeah and i think that's a great segue lee to our listeners out there who are jumping back into episode two who are maybe intrigued by episode one we made some comparisons between bitcoin and basketball in episode one trying to keep it relevant to basketball and and lee had some genius ones like uh, meritocracy and, and and so many awesome things but for listeners, we're not necessarily going to be comparing every element of Bitcoin to basketball. We would be reaching at some point trying to make comparisons. However, Lee, like you just said, this is just an excuse for us to talk about something we enjoy. Uh, before we started recording this podcast, actually, all three of us were having conversations about Bitcoin. Uh, we're just basketball players who are interested in something outside of basketball, and we're here to kind of discuss those things. So Coming off of our first episode, we learned a lot about Bitcoin. Lowercase Bitcoin is the actual Bitcoin. Capital B Bitcoin is the network. We learned some of the ins and outs, but guys, I'm left still with a great question after all of our conversation. Lee, I'm going to throw it to you first. What is a Bitcoin? What am I investing my money into? I, I told you right before this, I can understand what a diamond is. I can hold it. I know it has some value. I know it's a rare something but what is a bitcoin why does it have value why are people putting money into it right so i think this is one of the struggles for people to kind of wrap their head around it because you're right christian i think we're used to although obviously like over the past two decades we've become a much more digital world like we still exist you know most of our life in the physical world things that we can hold and touch like particularly when you talk about money, I mean, and, and artifacts and commodities, like they are physical things you hold in your hand. And, and Bitcoin has physical infrastructure, and that's probably a rabbit hole for a different episode. But from a general standpoint, it's nothing but source code. 
you know, Bitcoin is a software that you download and run on your computer on any CPU. Um, Bitcoin runs um, on basically just about any desktop or laptop that you could scrounge up. Um, so when we talk about what is Bitcoin, like at its, at its very core, Bitcoin is source code downloaded onto a computer. And I think the easiest way to kind of try and relate the word source code, which probably sounds kind of insane to some people to like- yes, me, a, me included. Right, right. Like a, a more like easier defined understanding. The source code of Bitcoin is just its rules. So the source code of the United States of America is the constitution. The source code of basketball at the at the professional level is the official handbook that the you know that the officials study and understand to know the parameters of the game. The yep. source code of Bitcoin, when you download it onto your computer and when you invest any of your wealth into the network, is a, is just the rules and the parameters that Bitcoin is accepted by its by its participants and by its users. And the last thing I'll say on it is. If you wanted to drill down a little deeper, it's like source code, rules, and you go like one level deeper, it's its monetary policy, which is just a fancy way of saying rules. So it's the fixed supply that we talked about. 21 million Bitcoin will, will only exist ever. Um, the halvening, which is something we haven't talked about yet. Every four years, the supply of Bitcoin that comes onto the market gets cut in half until eventually every single Bitcoin has been mined. Right now we're at about 18 million that have been mined. There's still about three more million to be mined into the future. Um, and, then, and then also within that source code is the, mechanis the mechanisms of transfer, the addresses, all of the ins and outs that make the Bitcoin network. But I hope that was a somewhat like easy to chew and digest explanation on on what it actually is from a very basic level. Yeah, no, I, I mean, yes, I think it was helpful. I think there's still questions. I think it's still sure. a, a hard concept to understand, but what is its relation to, to money then, to, to monetary, like, like money, Brendan? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the question you asked is, is why so many people like are confused at, at what Bitcoin is or what cryptocurrencies are. It's, it's mostly because they can't see it. They can't hold it, right? It's not like a dollar that you hold in your hand and you can see it. Um, so, I mean, uh, honestly, from a high level, like in, in my mind, I honestly just visualize it as like j just a token, a digital token. And, and it encompasses, it has all the things Lee talked about. But like when I think about it, that, it just helps my uh, me to wrap my mind around it a little bit more. But it's like, it, it goes... I think it brings up actually something that that that's pretty interesting. It's kind of like the analog versus digital, um, and and like like I, th I think a good comparison is is like you think about Blockbuster and Netflix, right? Like Netflix killed Blockbuster. Blockbuster was the analog version of video. Netflix is the digital version of video. It's a little easier. It's not apples to apples because yep, you know Netflix, you see it, you watch it, but I, you know, I, I think one way to think about Bitcoin is, is just the digital, right? It's a digital dollar or, or, or di digital gold, um, however you want to talk about. But anyway, 
what you asked before, what is money? I mean, <laughs> that, that get, you can go down a rabbit hole really quick there, but there are, there are some properties of money, right? Like it has to be scarce. Number one, um, it has to be portable. It has to be fungible. Fungible is a good word. So it just means like $1 is the same as $1 or, you know, you, you can enter, inter interchange them basically. And that's why it's called an NF, the thing, the NFTs are non-fungible tokens. So one token is not like another token, uh, mm -hmm. non-fungible okay. token NFT. That that's that's why it's artwork, right? Or um, a top shot NBA top shot or whatever. Um, but and oh, for, wait, pause right there for for NFT mm -hmm. non-fungible token. You're saying that since those are pieces of artwork and they each have separate value amounts, there's not one level across the board. Yeah, like there's one Mona Lisa, right? Yep. Like for for instance. Um, and, and so that's why that's where the name NFT comes from, non-fungible yep. token. But um, that, that's why Bitcoin is, <laughs> is different than NFT. Uh, Bitcoin is fungible. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. You can interchange them okay. and, and, and you wouldn't know the difference. Uh, dur Money is durable. It's divisible. So if you look at it in comparison to gold, it beats gold in all those categories. Like it's more scarce. There's only 21 million. It's more portable. You can put it into a a drive and put it in your pocket and fly around the world with it. If, if you wanted, it's fungible. One Bitcoin equal to one Bitcoin. You can, you can trade them out. Uh, it's durable. Like, and that actually kind of goes back to the question you talked about Christian or that we discussed, like it's, it's digital. It, there, there's nothing physical there. So yeah, it's durable. It's like, it's the most durable uh, and divisible. Lee talked about this last time. Uh, one Bitcoin equals what? A hundred million sats, Lee? Yep. Yep. hundred million Satoshi. So you can divide one Bitcoin into a hundred million parts, which is crazy to think about. Um, so it has gold beaten all those areas. And, you know, gold, a lot of people said was, is the hardest money around, but no longer it's Bitcoin because Bitcoin has a beat, it beat in all those areas. But I want to, I want to add in one more thing, high level, like, one interesting concept I came across not too long ago, one way, interesting way to think about money, Christian, that I think might blow your mind that I think you might under get or I'm ready. Under, understand is uh, uh, money is basically a frozen block of time or energy. So for the work you put in on something, your time, your energy, you get paid money, right? because that is a frozen block of the time and energy you put in. Um, yep. I don't know if you understand that, but like, if you keep thinking about it, I guarantee you at some point, man, it, okay. it's going to make some sense to you. Okay. I think like most of this conversation, it hasn't made sense just yet. You wait till the next episode and I'm, I'm sure it'll hit me, but no, I mean, a, a lot stands out to me there. Number one, the, the Satoshi, is that the word? Sats? Satoshi? You got it. There's a hundred million per one Bitcoin. Is that, roughly equivalent to one dollar 100 pennies it's it's just a way to it's it look christian it goes back to the source code the source code and the rules and the parameters of bitcoin in the source code it is written that there are a hundred million satoshis in each bitcoin so yes if you want to if you wanted to think about it from a cents to dollar standpoint it's the same type of divisibility the concept yep. that you would be kind of invoking 
And that's the rule. A hundred pennies would equal one dollar, right? That's the, is that not the rules of maybe the U.S. dollar? Okay, that makes a lot of sense. But so my my next question is, and and I think the way I understand it, Lee, I think you and I actually had this conversation. I've used the word diamond a few times. I think I was talking to you once, and I was like, wait a minute. So it's almost like a diamond of the internet, like a digital diamond. Meaning, I'm not going to walk into somewhere and pay for anything with a diamond. But a diamond has a set amount of value that I could exchange my U.S. dollars for and then pay for something. Is that is that a comparable idea to Bitcoin? Because you can't I mean, you can directly pay someone with Bitcoin. I guess you could directly pay someone in diamonds that has a dollar value worth that equates to that. Correct. Yes. So there's a couple things on this. It's a it's a really good, fascinating question. And like just the whole money conversation. Um, I think if I think like like Brendan hit on the fact that in our in our society, we trade our intellect our time and our energy in exchange for money. So like, the, I think the concept that Brendan was trying to invoke is the wealth that you store is literally a direct representation of your energy output. Mm -hmm. So when you're, when you're storing your wealth, you're literally just hoarding the energy and time that you've traded for that wealth. And when you think about money, Christian, as money like emerges in societies, it's just the most, it's the most agreed upon commodity within that yep. society. So this is why in, in prisons, cigarettes emerge as a form of currency yep. because yep. it's the most agreed upon commodity for, for value transfer. Um, so, and, and when money emerges in societies, it also goes through kind of a process it's first a collectible and then it transitions into a store of value which is i think probably where most people would agree upon that bitcoin is right now kind of in its emergent in its emergence the next step after it establishes itself as a sound store of value is a medium of exchange which is what you're talking about the network well that's well, where just the network the, comes into play the network and 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 exchanging your value, which would be Bitcoin or Satoshi's for goods and services, which okay, is, yep. which is, which is happening um, a lot of places on the earth, not happening as much right now in America, because we benefit from, even though we talked about how the dollar depreciates over time and it does, and that's why holding cash is kind of um, unfortunately a detriment to most people in our society that live on cash savings, our dollar, because it's the dominant currency, it still debases slower than a lot of other currencies. So there are places like Libya and Angola and South America, Nigeria, countries, Nigeria, where, right. Where, where you're, you're, I'm almost I'll just finished this real quick and I'll kick it over. They debase much, much quicker. So Bitcoin has emerged as a media of, ex of exchange in those places quicker than it has in America, because although we have a depreciating currency, it depreciates slower than some of the other currencies. And then the last point is eventually after medium exchange, it becomes a base unit of account in which everything is priced in. And that's where we're headed, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I got two things on that. We didn't touch on that last time, but that's why Bitcoin is so hard for especially Americans to understand, or, or, or a lot of folks coming from the West, Canadians, Americans, you know, uh, some 
people from, you know, kind of quote unquote, more stable uh, economies. But where it's a lot easier to understand is some of those countries that Lee mentioned where the government, you know, is corrupt. The current, you know, currency is getting debased at, you know, thousands of percent per year. Where like, I think it was like in, um, I, f- uh, I forget where it was, Lee, man, like Venezuela, maybe Venice somewhere had like a, like, I think it was like a $1 million bill or something like that, or $1 billion bill or something, something wild where it was like, what, and it was worth nothing essentially. And so it's a lot easier and, or, or in the countries where, um, you know, maybe you know, like China or, or, you know, a few, few levels lower, maybe where like the government is cracking down and throwing people in jail and they got to get out of there. Like they have to leave the country as a refugee they need to be able to put their money in their pocket and leave. You know, you, you can't lug gold bars uh, around or whatever because they're heavy, they're hard, they're, they're big. Like, so, I mean, it, it's a lot harder for Americans to understand because we don't, we don't go through that for the most part, right? At, at, at all, essentially. Like, we don't need to flee the country as refugees. We don't, our currency isn't being debased to the point where it's, it's losing thousands of percent a year and eventually in a year or two or whenever going to be worthless. Um, so it's easier for people from those countries to understand. It's a lot harder for Americans to understand. Uh, so, so we didn't touch on that last time, but I think that's a big point. A lot of people see Bitcoin as a human rights issue um, be, because it's not controlled. But again, it goes back to the decentralization. It's not controlled by the government. So the government can't debase it. Uh, and, and it's, you know, just a global monetary network. Um, so I, I did want to bring up that point. I meant to bring it up last time, but uh, I did not. And then to, uh, you know, your question, Lee's point, right now it is functioning like a store of value um, and it is volatile, but it's volatile upwards as well. Like that, that that's something when people hear the word volatility, uh, they always just, you know, have assume like negative implications. Oh, it's volatile. It means it's going to go down. It's like, no, Bitcoin's been volatile, but it's been volatile on an upward trajectory over the last 10 years. Yes, it, it yep. you know, will draw down 50%, but then it goes up 400%. Um, so it's like the volatility, yes, it's volatile, but you, 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 you kind of take the bad with the good. And overall, it's been good. I think on average, 200% a year. With the supply increasing to 21 million, um, it's going to level out that volatility over time. And as that volatility levels out and it doesn't have these huge spikes because more people, there, there's some more supply out there, more people are using it. It'll become more like a currency where you can use it without fear of like, oh, it's going to decrease by 10% in a day, or it's going to increase 20% in a day or whatever it is. Uh, I think the volatility should level out. Yeah. And I think, uh, a lot of these dots are starting to connect for me. I think it's starting to make a little bit of sense here. There's a lot of correlation between the word meritocracy. And once you, Lee made a great, a great example that we had a phone call with later in the day where I was like, dude, that was so genius. When you step in those lines of a basketball court, you're as equal as the other guy across from you. He may be taller or something, but you're playing the same game by the same set of rules, which I guess is the source code. And then this whole fungible, non-fungible tokens no, that's, that's not, they're not fungible. Correct. They're all worth the same, meaning we're all basketball players. And, and, and then you bring up how it, it kind of deals with human rights and, and just breaking down the system. It's this 
uh, uh, decentralized form of, of value that we can exchange. And for whatever reason, millions upon millions of people have agreed that a Bitcoin is valuable. And the more that happens, eventually that's what happened with gold. Gold came about and then everyone was like, wait a minute, this is the rarest thing. And then I believe historically Europeans started really coming into power because they had gold or whatever that may be. We're just in that transition phase right now. And you know what, like Christian, look at the internet. That's probably a better example of like a network effect and how it became valuable. Like initially when the internet first came out, it was only valuable to a few people because there wasn't as much, there wasn't tons of information on it. You know, the search capability wasn't where it, where it is now, but as more and more people got added to the internet and started using it, it became more and more valuable. And now it's like, you can't even put a number on it. Um, and, and then that's essentially what's happening with Bitcoin. Initially, Bitcoin, you know, was, was worthless when Satoshi was first, you know, mining the Bitcoin, sending them whatever. And, and the first, you know, it, it wasn't worth much. And, as more and more people came onto the network, uh, it became exponentially va- more valuable. Yeah, and that's, that's I, I think if anyone out there is listening, that concept is very grasp- graspable, if that is a word. I, I still think I'm slightly confused on what exactly a Bitcoin is, but at the same time, I don't really exactly question what a dollar is or anything, hardly ever. I just accept it as a means well, tell that me, we all agree Tell upon. me what the internet is. You're right. And tell me how I, the I internet works. You're right. But for some reason, we accept all of those things. But right. it seems to be that everyone is like, ah, no, Bitcoin, this is weird. I don't get it. I'm out. Well, I think there is one. I think there's one important point to make that I didn't make when I was talking about the source code or the parameters. The, the source code is open source. And by that, I mean that it lives on the Internet and it is accessible to anyone in the world with an internet connection, which means it's verifiable because you can download the source code yourself at your Mm. own personal computer. You can look at the source code and, and, and verify that the, that the, that the software that you're downloading is the, is the exact Bitcoin software. And that's also why it's decentralized because I can do it. You can do it. Someone in Angola can do it. Someone in Europe can do it. And, and, and the point with that, Christian, is if you wanted to download the Bitcoin software and change it and call it Bitcoin Christian and your Bitcoin had 500 million coins, you can run that software. The, the, the challenge is going to be getting anyone else to agree to that software and to mm-hmm. get anyone else to actually store value in that software. And mm. This is why you, you, you mentioned, and I think that's a super important distinction to make. It's not just software, it's open source software that can be changed and ran in different versions, but the, but, but the network effect of the Bitcoin software that is agreed upon today by the network participants has such a massive network effect that it's going to be very, very, very hard, maybe impossible for that to ever change or be overtaken and there's some great examples in the history of bitcoin that we should get into in in later episodes about times where someone tried to do exactly the example i just gave they they call it a fork they tried to fork the bitcoin software and run different rules and there's a lot of interesting game theory on why that didn't work and why the bitcoin software is still 
the by leaps and leaps and orders of magnitude the dominant network um the last that's very intriguing pause that's very intriguing like just really quick you're saying i could go in type in bitcoin christian which all right away we need to make that a thing come on we need to start let's let's start the pump but and i could say my bitcoin equates to 300 million satoshi instead of 100 of million i could say all right anybody you want to play by these rules and if and if, if everyone was like i like that let me put a thousand dollars into that it would eventually gain value over time that's what at some point happened with this this bitcoin that we all agree is valuable exactly and that's why people kind of um it, there's an immaculate conception here to a degree because digital scarcity was either invented or discovered kind of depending on how you think about it. So the idea, the idea of a fixed supply digital asset, bearer asset that was verifiable by anyone with an internet connection was discovered and thrust into the world and now here we are 12 years later and the network is worth it, the network has a trillion dollars worth of wealth in its network and and one other point i was going to make that that brendan kind of hit on you talked about like and you even talked about it christian like gold emerged as this pristine asset by which economies were built on and 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 it wasn't there were reasons why that happened the reasons are the same reason why bitcoin is emerging because it had properties that gave it an advantage over other properties. Gold outcompeted silver and seashells and salt and all of these other kind of base commodities that were used um, for value transfer because it was, it, you can't destroy gold. It's, it's very resilient. But the problem is gold is extremely valuable over time. The, the, the value of gold does not debase very much over time, but Brendan alluded to a problem with gold. It is very inefficient over space. It's if it's very expensive to move. It's to very move, yep. it's very cumbersome to move. It's expensive to store. It's hard to protect, and 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 Bitcoin is incredibly valuable over time because you just look at its chart and it makes it. it bit, Brennan talked about the volatility. It makes lower highs. It goes way up and then it comes down a little bit. And then it goes, so it just makes lower highs as the adoption increases. So, so, so it's valuable over space because I can beam you Bitcoin in two seconds. And it's also valuable over time because it's purchasing power doesn't get eroded. I got to get out of this pod, guys. I'm going to be broke after, because it's like, it's genuinely making sense to me right now. I'm really having a lot of connections. I mean, even going back to Brendan in episode one, talking about getting paid overseas or not getting paid. And then the time where you had to transfer that guy's money back and go through all these different banks and pay these fees. And it's like with Bitcoin, none of that. It's decentralized. I can send it to you right now. I don't got to lug a bunch of gold in my bag and walk it across the country. It's, it's easily movable. Um, that just makes so much sense, Lee. Brendan, yeah. do you have any follow-up uh, thoughts? There? Just one thing. I mean, we talked about money being a frozen block of energy. The problem is the, the current money that we have is more like, you know, it's an ice cube. Michael Saylor, who's the CEO of MicroStrategy, who's bought billions of, of Bitcoin and just has gone completely all in on it, um, calls the dollar. Uh, basically an ice cube and it's slowly melting like if you hold it in your hand it doesn't melt right away but it melts slowly and then it disappears and if so if money is 
you know, an ice cube or, or, or energy. Um, Bitcoin, like Lee said, Bitcoin um, uh, is the most efficient way to transport that energy across time and space. And it doesn't, Bitcoin, you don't lose the energy. Uh, this is something I also heard in a Michael Saylor podcast and like throughout history, transporting energy is very difficult because you would lose the energy along the way. If you were trying to transport fire way back in the day, like the fire would go out. But even nowadays, yep. like through electrical lines or whatever it might be, the energy leaks or in a battery. Think about your phone battery. That's why you have to charge it every, I don't know, 24 hours or whatever it is. Cause the battery just leaks energy. You're not doing anything with it. Like where's it, if you, if you took a battery fully charged, didn't do anything with it and just put it on a table and came back like a week later, it'd be dead or, you know, depending on the size of the battery with Bitcoin, the energy doesn't leak out of it. And, and, and that's like maybe the biggest innovation there. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. My mind is getting blown. I also think I'm starting to get the frozen block reference. It's because it melts slowly and you're, you're freezing a block, but it's slowly uh, deteriorating. I, the conversation here has been enlightening for me. Someone out there is as mind blown as I am. I know we had one more topic we wanted to, to discuss before we get out of here today, and maybe it'll leave us as a cliffhanger into episode three that I'm sure the people out there will want. I think I have a significant better understanding of what exactly Bitcoin is and why it's valuable. I think we've covered that well. There's another word that comes around with Bitcoin a lot, and it's blockchain. And I just got to know how that is tied in here. Where, where does that come into play, Lee? Okay, so I think the easiest way to break this down is to build off of what we've already talked about. So we talked about the source code, which is the software that anyone can download, which is the rules and the parameters, right? That also, um, that informs us of the monetary policy, that, that informs us of the procedures that take place yep. in the Bitcoin network and the mechanisms of transfer and the addresses and all these things that we should totally get into in, in other episodes because it's fascinating. All of those things, the source code, the parameters, the addresses, the transactions, they produce a distributed ledger, a public distributed ledger that you could go to blockchain.com and, and explore addresses. There, there, there is anonymity there is anonymity in the blockchain network because you don't know which addresses are associated with who, but you can go look at any address you want to right now and see how much Bitcoin is in that particular address. But then it's very, very hard for you to ascertain whose identity is tied to that address. That's a little bit of a side shoot that I made there. But I think the point I'm trying to make is source code, the Bitcoin software, parameters, monetary policy rules, distributed ledger, distributed ledger that keeps track of all the transactions and of where the value is. So the blockchain is literally just what it sounds like. It is a chain of transactions going all the way back to 2009 that list wow. out that list out where every single Bitcoin has ever lived, where it has wow. ever been sent to, and where all of the value is at this current time until the next block, which is on average about every 10 minutes, a new block is produced. And then, and then that block will um, educate you on where the last few transactions have gone. And you can look back at that entire blockchain and see the entire history of the transactional um, ledger that is the Bitcoin blockchain. 
Does that make I think sense? I'm a high level, like real simplistic, like each block is chained together. So you can go back and look at the begin, the very first block, but the ledger is essentially the most simple version is like a spreadsheet that, that you can just go back and look at it. You can't change it. You can verify it. And then those blocks are just chained together so that you can look at any block you want from the beginning of the whatever blockchain it is to current. And I think that's speaking to the decentralization and not hiding information and it's public to everybody and we're all on the same level playing field and you can know where this is and this is and this is. Uh, that's very interesting. Why does that matter though? Okay, okay, great. You've got text receipts. What does that, what does that mean? Why is that? The reason why that matters is because on my own personal computer at home, I can download the entire Bitcoin blockchain from the Genesis block in 2009, run it through my Bitcoin core software that I have verified by looking at it, that it is the true Bitcoin blockchain software. And I can verify the entire blockchain via this software from beginning to end and know that no one is debasing my Bitcoin, that no one has cheated the blockchain, that there's been no funny business essentially. That's yeah, why it's yeah. a, that's why it's actually decentralized because I can do it wow. just like just like a just like the most powerful man in the world can do it whoever you decide that would be but they can't change it just like I can't change it. Mm. Just decentralization so you got thousands of people like Lee verifying that it's all correct versus one person or one millions. organization. Yeah, millions, right? And versus one one government one president whatever it is one dictator one what a ceo whatever uh instead of it's thousands or millions of uh people or nodes verifying and network. christian this might this might crystallize it a little bit let's go back to that example of bitcoin christian okay so you've created your own software you've tweaked it you've changed the numbers um you've made some different rules but it looks, you, you've kind of branded it as Bitcoin, but it's not really Bitcoin. Because I've downloaded the Bitcoin core software and because I run it on my own computer, if you tried to send me Bitcoin Christian tokens to my Bitcoin address that I have connected to my own Bitcoin software, my software would reject it. You would not be able to, you would not be able to pay me with that because it does not conform to the consensus rules that the Bitcoin the software, exactly, exactly. Mm. Hey, Goodness. yo. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, fellas, I think that's a relatively good place to stop here for episode two. I, that, yeah, it seems like that was the perfect intro into the blockchain, understanding what source code is and what Bitcoin is and the rules it plays by. And then the blockchain is just kind of the record book of all of it and all the purchases that have been made. Uh, very, very interesting. Brendan, do you have any closing thoughts here today? Yeah, I mean, Lee is a lot more technical than I am. I think he's much more interested in the details of it all than, than I am. I'm, I'm, I don't know, for good or for, for, for good or bad. I'm, I'm like, you're a busy man. High, yeah. I mean, I mean, the high, <laughs> the high level stuff, like, I mean, even some of the stuff Lee was talking, I mean, that description was way better than I could do. It's very good. I, talk, I talked about it last time. And, you know, I, I was lucky enough to see the rise of the personal computer and then the internet and then mobile web 2.0. And when I, when I, I've read 
I mean, I just read tons of books and all that on, on like those creators and stuff. It wasn't like the finance folks that like created all this stuff. It wasn't the politicians. I mean, it was the mathematicians, the scientists, the computer scientists. And so like, I just had it in my head. All right, the next time I see all the people that are way, way, way smarter <laughs> than me, the MIT folks and, the, and, and those like when they're flocking to something like I'm going there. And this is where they're going. Like, you know, like the finance folks are far behind, which is great. Not far behind. They're coming in, which is great because they're the one that screwed everyone, I think, in the first place. And that's why Bitcoin was created. But like, this is where all the computer scientists are going, the mathematicians, you know, like I said, the MIT folks, the, the, the Harvard folks, all, all of them, the computer scientists, they're going to um, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency. And so I'm part of it is with, with me, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to podcasts and things about it, but at the end of the day, like I'm trusting these folks that just like the internet, it works. And I've seen yep. it work because I own Bitcoin and, and I've played with it and it works. And I'm, you know, on some level, just kind of trusting them and that's okay with me. Like I'm trusting people that are smarter than me, like Lee. Lee, tell me how it works. All right. And, and if enough people are doing it and then I do it myself and, and, and see and play with it long enough, that that's good enough for me. Also, to be fair, you're making yourself sound a little more uneducated than you are. You've, <laughs> you've, you've done enough research to not just throw a lot. Around. I just can't. Uh, I don't think I can coherently tell you exactly how uh, <laughs> all, all, all the details about it. But, Lee, but, do you have any but, final thoughts for us today? Yeah, well, and I think you guys kind of hinted at this earlier, but in my opinion, there, there will be a day where you're transferring value on the Bitcoin network rails and you don't, you, you're not going to necessarily need to know how it's going to work. It's, it's, like, it's like the question that Brendan posed to you earlier, Christian, like how exactly did you, how exactly did you get this Zoom uh, connection up and running, and why? Yeah. Why are we all? Why are we all like, able to talk to TCP I, and HTTP yeah. and blah blah blah? I don't heck know. If, <laughs> heck if I know. But here You're we right. all are. Here we all are in real time chatting with each other. Um, I, I think if I was to close on anything, it would be that you know, Bitcoin is freedom money. Bitcoin is self-sovereign money, and by that I just mean. It is the ability of everyday people to be able to control and hold their own wealth and verify the rules and the parameters that their wealth is held in without worrying about any type of person on high or centralized um, entity, you know, de decreeing the rules and parameters that they have to play by. And so I think that albeit kind of a slowly but surely process, um, I think what we're watching is the global adoption of freedom money and separating the money from the state. Um, and, and, and over time, that will empower people because they will actually be able to save. They will actually be able to save their, their discretionary income, that little for some people, just that little bit of a couple dollars they have left over after they take care of their kids and they pay their bills and they pay their mortgage or their rent, that they can actually store into this network and know over a long period of time, their purchasing power will increase instead of it decreasing. 
And I think it's very hard for us to fathom the positive, the positive consequences of having sound money that allows individuals to control their own wealth and actually save. Um, because it goes back to kind of like that hierarchy of needs. Once you have your needs met, once you can actually save in a sound money and increase your purchasing power over time, you all of a sudden free yourself up to innovate and work and volunteer. And like, I think the renaissance that we're going to see over the next century because of what this enables for people is going to blow our minds and, and eventually will lead to a better world. Yeah. The, the, the internet, how, you know, is incredibly global. It's about time we have a global money. And that's Bitcoin. That, um, that, that there is the place to leave it off. Brendan, I'm going to need a raise because I'm going to run out of money putting <laughs> into Bitcoin at the end of these things. So we'll discuss that post podcast. I'm paying <laughs> you in melting ice cubes. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You're like you're blowing your cover right now. Hey, um, you, hey. You, you give us a strike account. We'll send your paycheck to your strike account. We'll convert it to Bitcoin right away for you, man. Okay. All right. We may just have to have some conversations. Hey, fantastic combo, Lee. I was already thinking of places to take what you just said, but we can't do this thing all day. Uh, I, I think there has to be an episode three, even if we're the only three listeners. But like I said, we got some awesome feedback from you listeners out there from our first episode. So uh, we're going to keep diving deeper. I think I want to, again, state for all three of us, I don't think this is financial advice. I think this is just something we are all interested in that we're exploring deeper. And as the listeners out there, if you made it this far, you can tell uh, I'm the uneducated one here trying to learn more about it. So hopefully if you're I out am there, too. you can learn more. I am too. Yep. That's why I like this conversation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, pleasure to have you guys on today. For our listeners out there, give us a follow on our social media platforms at ProSkillsBasketball on Instagram and Facebook and at ProSkillsBball on Twitter. Uh, on those platforms, you'll find uh, more information, more content when we're releasing new episodes. So give us a follow and we'll be back for another episode of Bitcoin and Basketball very soon. Bitcoin and Basketball.